If you don't know, there's an organisation out there in the world called the National Church Life Survey, and they're an organisation that does research into uh, both how churches are going and uh, what, what's uh, going well and what could be going better in, in individual churches. But they do that in every church and they collect kind of global statistics. And then they also do uh, uh, proper kind of research level surveys of Australians and how they're thinking about Christianity. And interestingly enough, in their most recent survey about how do Australians think of Christians, they found that a lot of Australians replied, we think Christians that we know are caring, kind, honest, loving and generous, which is a surprising result, isn't it? In fact, 44%, you know, you'd like it to be at least 50, but nonetheless, 44% of everyday Australians said that Christianity was good for society. So that's a surprising little result there, isn't it? That, that, that people have some sort of positive view because when you listen to the media and you open the papers every day and you uh, see uh, what's said about Christians, uh, sometimes it's, it, you, would, you would expect to have less good results. And in fact, a similar survey was done by a different organisation in the UK, the Evangelical Alliance, and they found similarly surprising results in the UK. 65% thought Christians were friendly, 51% caring, 48% good-humoured, 38% generous, 26% encouraging, 24% hopeful. They found that only 13% of people surveyed said that they thought Christians were narrow-minded, 10% hypocritical and 8% uptight. That was a surprising result. So surprising for the Evangelical Alliance in the UK that they did the survey again because they thought that's far too positive. It seems that when you cut away all the, the noise, that generally speaking on a day-to-day -day basis with individual people, we're polling well, which is good news that we should take heart in, particularly as we consider the words of Jesus that we've got before us today in John chapter 15. But of course, we also know there is a lot of hate out there. The media love a good bash the church story. And let's be honest, sometimes we deserve it. You take the current podcast and revelations about uh, failure and corruption at Hillsong, you know, it's good that the church gets exposed when it fails to live up to the standards it sets for itself because they're the standards God has set for us. But it's also interesting to note that the media I haven't seen recently been in a rush to do a 10 week long podcast and uh, standing up in parliament talking about the good work of the everyday church in local communities all around Australia and all the wonderful things that happen because there's hundreds and hundreds of tiny little churches doing wonderful things for its community. They're not rushing to make that podcast, are they? I'd subscribe to that one. But I think as we consider what Jesus says about living as a Christian in the world, we need to just kind of take this survey uh, and, and embed it in our minds and go, it's going to be a mixed bag. It's not always going to be hate. It's not always going to be love. People are going to respond to us differently and we, we, we shouldn't be surprised at either. And in fact, that's what Jesus 
says to us here, isn't it? He doesn't say, when the world hates you. He says, if, verse 18. We will experience life as followers of Jesus, sometimes with negative responses, sometimes with positive. But let's take a look at what happens when it is negative, as Jesus outlines, uh, starting in verse 18. If the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, that is why the world hates you. If you like, remembering that this reading follows on from Jesus talking about our need to remain in him as, as the vine. He's the vine, we are the branches in the first part of chapter 15. This is, if you like, the downside of remaining in the vine. The upside is you get to remain in his love. The downside is you're so connected to him that when the world hates him, it hates you too. As one scholar puts it, since the disciples are members of Christ, like branches are members of the vine, they receive what he receives, both the sunshine and the rain of the love of the Father and the storms and the hatred of those who are in rebellion against him. We get the good with the bad. But I think as we consider this, it's important to make a couple of qualifiers, isn't it? Because we can go a little bit wrong with the words of Jesus here. Because Jesus takes his disciples out of the world and grafts them into himself, then as he faced hatred from the world, so will we. It doesn't make hatred and persecution a test of authentic faith. There's all sorts of reasons you could or could not be hated. I don't think what Jesus is doing here is setting up a litmus test. Have you been, do, you, do you know if you love me? Has anyone hated you? No, the way you know you love him is if you remain in his love. And then whatever happens, happens. But if you do get hated, be prepared. And so we need to make sure that when we do face persecution and hatred, it's because we're remaining in the love of Christ and not because we're being douchebags. Because we can make the mistake to think that uh, we need to receive hatred to be faithful. But that's not the case at all. Likewise, we can make the opposite mistake, which is think if we get any hatred, we're not being faithful either because Jesus is full of love and if everyone experiences love, then how could they possibly respond to that love with hate? Well, these words of Jesus, again, a helpful reminder. Some Christians make the mistake to think that if we face hatred, then we should apologise and step back and they potentially run down the road then of going so far as that they change the doctrine of the church and, of, uh, and, and the word of God so that it's more socially acceptable. That, of course, is also a mistake. And the other thing we need to make sure we do is not recoil from our brothers and sisters when they do experience hate. It's tempting sometimes when we see a Christian out there trying to make a stand and whether we think they've done it well or not or helpfully or not, it can be tempting to kind of try and isolate them. Or oh, I'm not like him. 
uh, I'm not like her, and we let them take the hate, and we kind of try and hide over here. Actually, we should step out in love and support because Jesus says it's going to happen from time to time. We need to follow Jesus. We need to remain in his love as his instructions are to us in the opening part of chapter 15. And as we do that, we need to preach the gospel. We need to live faithfully in the way that we uh, remain in his love and in the way that we deal with the world and in the way that we deal with whatever response the world gives to us. And we ought not be surprised if from time to time the world is a little bit hostile to the things of God. When you follow Jesus, you may cop a little bit of hate because that's what happened to Jesus. Look at verse 20. Remember what I told you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. If they obeyed my teaching, they will obey yours also. They will treat you this way because of my name, for they do not know the one who sent me. The world hates Christians and persecutes Christians because it hated Jesus and persecuted him. There's good news, isn't there, in the middle of that chunk some also obeyed Jesus. We're not destined to a life of total and utter rejection. Like, look at us, there's a group of us here, all on the same Jesus page, all gathering together because we've responded to Jesus. Or we're trying to find out more about Jesus. Those who acknowledge Jesus will get alongside us. The gospel will work powerfully as it's proclaimed and it will change lives just as it did in Jesus' day, as he went around proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God and lives were changed and people followed him. It's not all doom and gloom, but it will happen in the midst of persecution and hatred. It's, I think China is a really good example of how this can work itself out. See, China is a country where Christians have experienced hatred and persecution because they've chosen to follow Jesus instead of the Chinese Communist Party. And yet, though they've experienced great persecution, still to this day, it's difficult to be a faithful Christian in China. The people who are smart and estimate things like how many Christians are there in the world estimate that the church in China in the midst of a deep and uh, difficult persecution, has grown from one million people 40 years ago to 100 million people. One million to 100 million. In the midst of persecution and hatred, millions and millions and millions of people responding with faith and trust to the personal work of Christ Massive growth of that church. See how these things can go together. There can be persecution and hatred, but also faith and trust. Being a Christian, following Jesus in a world which is full of darkness, which is under the curse of sin, where people believe Satan's lies instead of God's truth, being a Christian in, in that world is going to be hard. It's going to be difficult 
And Jesus here is warning his disciples, get your expectations set. Don't expect rainbows and lollipops. It's going to be difficult following Jesus. And if that's the case, how should we live? Well, that's where I think it's so important that we take this little warning about the nature of living as a Christian in the world uh, in, in its context of the two bits that Andrea preached on last week and she'll preach on next week. See, I, I like to think that I'm a nice boss and I gave her the two nice bits uh, and I've got the yucky bit in the middle. But I'm going to just borrow a bit of what she said last week and foreshadow a bit of what she might say in the week to come to kind of lift your spirits a little. How should we live in a world where it might get difficult? Well, to recap first, if we're going to stay the course of faithfully following Jesus in the storm of hatred and persecution that may come our way, then we're going to need to make sure we're remaining in him, aren't we? John 15, 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. We need to remain in Jesus because it's only if we're connected to the vine that we will have the resources we need to stand firm, to love our enemies in the midst of difficulty. Now, of course, I've been uh, drawing from the well of my own experience lately, which has revolved a lot around school stuff, right? And I just want to, again, reference that because it's my kind of life at the moment and it's how I'm thinking about what God's teaching me when I'm preparing these sermons. I'm trying to apply it to my own situations. And, you know, one of the good things to come out of uh, feeling a little bit hated and persecuted by my uh, daughter's school principal is it's, it's helped me to figure out whether I'm doing a good enough job or whether I'm really remaining in the vine. And, you know, what I discovered early on is actually I had a bit of work to do because I think sometimes it's easy as a Christian to kind of hang out in the vineyard, if you will, and, and enjoy the blessings of of God and the, and the kindness of God in the context of um, uh, the, the vineyard, if you will. I'm stretching Jesus' analogy a little bit here, so forgive me. But actually not be connected to the vine. You're just kind of enjoying um, the blessings without receiving them first. You're letting other people do the work. And I must be honest... I discovered, as uh, I felt quite upset and, 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 and angry about what was happening to me, that it revealed in my heart a little bit that I wasn't as deeply connected to the vine as I needed to be. And so it was good that I experienced hatred and persecution and difficulty for trying to make a stand because it forced me to reassess where I was up to and to do better at trying to remain in Jesus so that I had a connect, deeper connection to him, his empowerment, his love, his blessing. Because it's vital when the world hates you. Because if the world hates you, if the world persecutes you, if the world rejects you, that doesn't feel good. 
And the only antidote to hatred and rejection is love. And where do you find true love, deep love, real love? Verse 9, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you, now remain in my love. The greatest antidote to exclusion and rejection is acceptance and love that we have in abundance in Jesus when we remain in him. And we need to make sure we're resting in that as we navigate the complexity of living for Jesus in a broken world. So how are you going at that? Are you remaining in Jesus? Are you remaining in his love? To foreshadow what's to come next week without taking all of Andrea's thunder, not only do we need to remain in Jesus, but actually we require God's gift of the Spirit to equip us and lead us and guide us if we're going to live as Christians in a world where being a Christian may be hard and difficult. To share uh, more reflections uh, of my own story, uh, one of the interesting things that happened to me has happened to me as I've been kind of trying to find out what other people think about the issues that I've been facing in the school is I've met some, uh, uh, like, some, le some lesbians, some angry, I, I, I'll call them the slightly angry lesbians, who, 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 are, who are upset that their name is being used to sexualise young children. Anyway, so I met these people and we had a conversation uh, on the phone and we shared our concerns. And it's been fascinating as I've kind of got to know these people to just reflect on the differences between how they're trying to engage and how I'm trying to engage. Because as, as they've felt rejected for their views, as they've felt uh, that their biological sex has been a race, which is something deeply important to who they are and how they feel about the way they do life, they've, they've gotten really mad. And I understand that because I've been mad. But I, I, I've noticed that when you are remaining in Jesus and you have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, you've got someone to deal with your anger, to take your anger, to, to flood you with kindness and love. And it, it totally changes the way you engage. It doesn't mean you don't stand up for what is right, but you, you just do it slightly less angrily. <laughs> And I, and I hope and I pray for these friends of mine that they might come to know the love, grace and mercy and empowerment of the Holy Spirit. You see, if we're going to live in a world that gets angry with us, that hates us, that persecutes us because we're trying to stand up for what is true and good and right, because we're trying to tell people about the love of God in Jesus Christ, then we're going to need the empowerment of God's Spirit to live like Jesus when we face hatred and persecution because the natural human inclination is to fight back, to become like Jesus, to take up our cross, to cop it on the chin, to turn the other cheek 
That requires God's empowering presence by his spirit. Remaining in Jesus' love, receiving the gift of his spirit, this is the only way that you can truly live life to the full in a world that from time to time will cut you down, disappoint you, hate you and persecute you. So what do we make of all this to wrap up? I think, regardless of whether you're a Christian or not, life in a broken world is hard. You're going to face difficulty. But the good news of the gospel is that if you follow Jesus, if you put your trust in him, you don't navigate all of these things on your own. Jesus' invitation to each of us, no matter where we're up to, is to remain in his love, to put our trust in him and to experience his acceptance and grace and love in the midst of a world that will reject us, that will let us down, that will disappoint. Let me encourage you to remain in the love of Jesus today. And... Let me encourage you, if you're a Christian today, to not freak out if the world hates you. If things get messy at work as you've tried to stand up for the truth. Don't let fear take over if you face persecution. Remember the stats. Lots of individual Christians are quite open to it, but better than the stats, remain in Jesus. Ask the Holy Spirit to empower you, to continue, to enable you to seek every opportunity to share the hope you have, regardless of the consequences. Remain in God's love. Serve Jesus. And experience his love, even if the world rejects you as it rejected him. Amen. Amen.